Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody. How you doing? Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. Fantastic. Um, it was a good Saturday morning. Um, I did my normal... Uh, one of my normal routines we've talked about on the show in the past where I kind of go through my budget at the macro level. Um, so I sat there with coffee before the podcast. I went through my routine where I go through my spreadsheet. I plug in my numbers from the website uh, for the different balances for the accounts and try to get my financial picture in order. I haven't done that in a while. I used to do it every Saturday morning like clockwork. Um, I've gotten out of that habit. And I think that's been a good thing. Um, so I still watch everything reasonably close but at that macro level i don't have to do it kind of every week like i used to so that was kind of cool how was your week jody it's so funny that you bring that up because it was earlier this week that i uh did the same thing uh, and we've talked about this in the past that that you have a macro i have a micro kind of an approach to our household budget and i um just went in to do some general maintenance and went down the rabbit hole about as far as you can go <laughs> and forecasted my budget all the way through the end of 2021. <laughs> oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, and so I'm so I'm set up now for through the end of 2021 and uh you know, of, of course I'm going to tweak as I go along, but uh things look all right for next year. You know, I always I always forecast very conservatively. Um but uh it's it's all set up week by week. Awesome, awesome. And I did have to, and I think I might have mentioned this on a previous show, I had to upgrade my computer equipment to the latest operating system, which in turn I had to update to the latest version of Quicken. Uh, those of you in the financial world, we've talked about that in, before. I use Quicken more as a checks and balances against my accounts. Um, so I don't have any auto feeds going into Quicken. I use it for reconciliation to make sure that my numbers tie with what the banks and, and various institutions are telling me. Um, and I'm getting used to the new version. So like anything else, I felt like an 80-year-old man kind of clawing through the latest uh, copy of Quicken uh, to figure out where they put that button now, you know? So it's, it's been very interesting. I'm trying to figure all that out. So, uh, But all in all, a good week. Um, today, we're very excited to have a special guest back with us, our friend Joe Tassone. Uh, we'll discuss with Joe raising daughters, uh, sweet 16 parties, college, and weddings. Whew, how to budget and plan for all those big life events in our daughters' lives. Uh, but first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. The first news story is from uh, the Daily Non-Perial. Uh, and three investing lessons from Ray Dalio. For those of you that don't know Ray Dalio... He is the founder and head of Bridgewater Associates. It's the largest hedge fund in the world, $150 billion under management. And that company historically has done well every year, year on year. Um, so the guy is pretty smart when it comes to money. Uh, so he talks about three things. And I thought they were very interesting. He talks about don't, getting, don't get caught up in the moment in terms of being short-term focused, uh, not putting too much emphasis on the past and diversification. So the thing that I took out of this story was diversification. I, even in my small, uh, pitiful level of, of, of money, I make sure that it's well diversified between stocks and bonds and whether it's my 401k or I try to be kind of risk, I'm more risk adverse, as I've said in the past on the podcast, but for the most part, I like to spread the money across the different types of funds and different types of investment vehicles. Jody, what was your take on this story? Yeah, this is all great advice. I think as you read it, it's you're sort of like, well, this is obvious, um, but it's always good advice is always worth repeating. Um, and this is a terrific article. You know, I think that my takeaway is walk before you run. Don't get in over your head. Invest in what you understand and have a long term outlook on your investments, the things that you put your money into, you know, uh, unless you're a day trader and you have an extraordinary level of expertise, um, don't try to time the market. Invest in something that you believe in, that you understand, and go long-term. And by long-term, I'm talking, you know, a year, more. Uh, you know, long-term is not, you know, 45 days instead of 30. <laughs> good advice, good advice. Um, the second news story is from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Kiplinger's personal finance, when to take Social Security. This is an interesting one because it kind of summarized in one felt swoop all the different 
rules and regulations around taking Social Security. Um, and, and basically, the rule of thumb is the later you wait, the more money you get from the government, right? So if you take it at 62, which is the earliest age possible, you get up to 30% less in your check over the life of your retirement. Um, whereas if you take it when you're 66, 67, it starts to tick up and you start getting more and more percentage. So you get your full value, I think, at like 67 or 70. Um, but when you go through this, when I was reading this article, my big takeaway was it's really about personal finance. It comes down to your personal health. It comes down to your need. Um, for me personally, I want to take my Social Security as soon as it's available. Uh, I want it because it may, you know, it may not be there long term. That's another debate, probably a whole other podcast to talk about the, the viability of, of uh, Social Security. I believe long term it will be there. Uh, but like I said, for me, I want to take it as soon as I can get it and I'll worry about it after. But other folks might have a different uh, take on it. Jody, what was your take on this story? Well, my first reaction was uh, I can't imagine taking Social Security in 12 years because <laughs> I'm mm. not that old, even though I am that yeah, old. Yeah, we're there. We're there. We had our old. 50th uh, <laughs> right when we talked about our 50th uh, our 50th episode. We talked about turning 50 this year, right? So, so, so that was kind of like a head fake or a, or a head spinner for me. Um, you know, I, I'm not counting on Social Security, and, and that's not just, you know, because I have no faith, even though I kind of don't have any faith in the government. Um, but that aside, uh, I'm not going to count on something that I don't control, basically. I'm going to look at Social Security as sort of bonus money, play money, right? Extra. I'm going to make my own bed and sleep in it, kind of. That's that's kind of my attitude about my finance, right? I'm going to take control of it. I'm going to do what I need to do and prepare myself. And then if I end up getting Social Security on top of that, hey, that's great. It's play money. Um, and I'm with you, Paul. I, I, I use the lottery analogy, right? I'll take the lump sum instead of the annuity. I want that money in my account. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't want any someone else controlling it. I want to take it, and I want to put it where I want to put it, and I want to do with it what I want to do with it. Uh, but another good article. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I guess with that, we'll bring in our, our guest, Joe Tassone. Joe is a friend and previous guest on our show. This is his second appearance on the podcast. Joe, welcome back to Financial Dads. Gentlemen, thank you very much for including me today. It's an honor once again, and I think you guys have a really good uh, thing going here, and I'm much appreciated to be with you this early Saturday morning. Very cool. Very cool. And we thought of you, Joe, um, because the topic today is very in line with your life, right? You have three daughters, right? Three beautiful kids, um, and you're gonna you're contending with all these different things, right? Sweet sixteen uh, events, uh, college, paying for college, dealing with college, maybe postgraduate, and weddings, right? Um, give us a little bit of background of where you are in terms of. I know maybe I'll, maybe you know I'll, um, I'll start, Joe. I have one daughter. She's ten. Um, at this point, uh, we were talking a little bit before the podcast. Um, I think my daughters are my daughters, just like your daughters, right? I, I turn around, I clean a room, I turn around, I look back, the room's a mess, and she's in the middle of it, right? Like <laughs> she's at that age. Um, but I could see uh, over the next uh, 10, 15 years between um, sweet 16 potentially party and, and college savings and then eventually finding the right person in her life and getting married. It's going to be um, an incredible journey, but also an incredible financial journey. Um, and I know, jo uh, Jody, you have one daughter. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about her. Yeah, and we'll jump to Joe. Is, she's uh, several years away from Sweet 16, but it's never too early to start planning. So, Joe, want to hear from you. Yes. Uh, some of the background. I have three girls, uh, an eight-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 17, almost 18-year-old. Let me tell you, it goes by very fast, and uh, it just seems like every day is an adventure, a good adventure. I'm outnumbered in my household, you know, four to one. I'm married with my wife, so uh, it, they're all different in their personalities. Uh, we, we think we raise them all the same, but uh, they're all quite unique. And uh, my, my older one is a, a type A, uh, take the bull by the horns, uh, you know, driven uh, student person athlete. My middle one is does very well in school, but she's, you know, she needs to be pushed constantly to even get out of her room. And my eight year old is she's eight. We, we don't uh, really know what direction she's going in yet, but uh, all good kids and 
Yes, they are slobs. Uh, I'm a little <laughs> bit OCD in my way I like to do things, so I'm outnumbered in that light. And uh, definitely have a, uh, you know, it, it's raising, I love it. I mean, I love having daughters and, you know, guys, people have made jokes. Oh, what are you going to try for the son, the boy? Oh, you know, I'm just thankful that they're healthy and, um, you know, I'm very blessed in that sense. But there's definitely a... Uh, a struggle there with raising kids and especially this day and age. And, uh, I'm, again, I'm happy to be here to give whatever advice I can or experience share. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I think we're all in the same boat. We all have good kids and trying to raise them right and, and trying to, uh, focus, uh, them on school, right? We want them all to do the best that we can make the, you know, have them do. Um, and, and it's been, it's been an interesting experience. I said the same thing, Joe, when my daughter was, born i have a boy and a girl uh but when both were um you know when we were finding out you know if we we're having a boy or a girl for me i was the same attitude as you happy and healthy i really it really didn't i didn't really care but i love having my daughter my daughter is definitely daddy's little girl and even though we we butt heads occasionally uh, maybe more than occasionally um it's it's a great experience right wouldn't trade it and and both my kids have their unique personalities um I think we'll we'll jump into the topic. So the first one, maybe we'll just go chronologically. Sweet sixteen parties. Now my daughter isn't there yet, but I've seen on TV how far these things could go. I don't know if you ever watch kind of the Sweet Sixteen show on MTV. Has anyone watched that on the podcast? But it gets out of control. And I also looked on Facebook at hashtag Sweet Sixteen, and guys, what I found was incredible. I saw big parties. I saw brand new cars. I saw all kinds of stuff for the Sweet Sixteen. So, Joe, I think you're the you're in the middle of it, right? You're 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 there in terms of that age bracket. What's your thought when it comes to Sweet Sixteen and and the expense and and what did you guys do for in your family when it came to Sweet Sixteen and celebrating that milestone in your daughters' lives? You know, I didn't. Well, let me just back up a, a little bit and tell you about my theory. And I have lots of theories on on raising children and. I always joke around that, uh, you know, I think I'm an average dad, average parent. I'm not winning any awards. Probably uh, it seems like I was born in the wrong decade. People <laughs> would say that I'm old school. Uh, I believe in my the, the first, you know, the first thing as a parent is to in my belief is obviously to provide safety. Right. If you if you feel at that level, you shouldn't have kids. And the second thing really is what are you doing as a parent is you are raising your children to live without you for three quarters or longer of their lives. So being raising kids to be very self-reliant and independent. And, and I, I believe in our culture today, I don't know when this started, maybe two generations ago, a generation ago, and I see it in the workforce, is that we've, as parents, as a culture, we've actually done the opposite. We're raising children to be more dependent on us than ever. And it starts... Uh, I, I did this thing on the, uh, you know, you follow me on Facebook, Paul, what grinds my gears. And I did this whole joke thing about these reveal parties, uh, you know, back in the day where we had. And I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but trust me, this is a, this is good stuff here. Um, back in the day when, you know, your, your parent, your mother, when we were born, you know, they, they basically smoked. They drank when you were pregnant. They you had a baby kind of after five years old. You're playing out in the playground by yourself. Now we have these reveal parties. You know, it used to be just like, hey, I'm having a boy, I'm having a girl, if you if you decided to find out. And now there's actually these huge parties with, with streamers and balloons. And uh, what really piqued my interest is over the summer, I think someone got injured because they lit off fireworks. And, and I made a big joke about it, but I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and you kind of take this over into the Sweet 16 parties. Now, when my, my daughter Olivia turned 16, we left it up to her. One thing we weren't going to do is break the bank to have a Sweet 16 party. And she wanted it small. We went out to dinner with 12 of her friends, uh, picked up the bill. It was a good time. Uh, they went out afterwards for ice cream, they, or whatever, the mall. And it was very low key. And then we did a family party. Uh, really wasn't a big, uh, a big to do. And um, that was her decision. So I don't really have any. Uh, I wish I had more of an exciting story with with uh clowns and fire trucks and 
you know, spending $50,000, but that's, that's, that's not my experience. Now, some of my daughter's friends had the big parties, mm-hmm. uh, where they rented out a hall and, and had a, had a DJ, but I, no real in my area, there wasn't really anything exorbitant that I remember hearing. Uh, so I don't have a lot of, uh, crazy stories about that, but, um, I'm sure there are. And again, I know just reading the articles. I don't follow that MTV show. It's not something I watch, but I could see how it gets out of hand. Yeah, I think for me, um, I'm gonna. I'm not there yet. I'm at. I'm at. Uh, my daughter's ten, uh, going on like twenty, right? So like, like I think like all our daughters, it's once in one way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to do a wait and see. I, I haven't seen a lot of big parties related to that. I know my son has a. Uh, a girl in his class that I am friends with the parents on Facebook and they, and they had a big party and it looked pretty, it looked really nice. Like that, like to your point, Joe, they had it at a, at a fancy place and they had DJs and it was almost, it was very wedding like. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I, I think it all, it's all personal. Um, and, and maybe that's a tradition in their family. Um, I th- I think if, if that's something that you want to do, you could, and more importantly, if you could afford to do, and it doesn't break your bank, and it's and it's something that um, you have budgeted, or you know, it's disposable income, right? That you could do that. But if you're scraping by, and your daughter wants that big party, and you can't afford it, but you break the bank to go do it, I think that's that's crazy, right? So I think parents really have to. Uh, think with their minds and not with their heart when it comes to some of these things. Um, Jody, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I I agree with what you guys are saying. You know, we we had a reveal party when our kids were born. It was at, held at the hospital on the day that they were born, and we came out. And we said, "It's a boy, it's a girl, party!" Uh, yeah, I, I you know, and and I've seen some of those videos on social media where you know somebody gets shot in the crotch with one of those pink things and it's like well, you you get what you deserve to exactly. I mean, give me a break um that's that's i mean we're having a little bit of fun at those people's expense that said right um i think it comes down to parenting um i agree with you guys about you know not breaking the bank i think you're nuts at the same time you know look if you make a gajillion dollars and you want to rent out a yacht for your daughter's 16th birthday party have at it great that's terrific you know you shouldn't be putting it on a credit card uh you shouldn't be taking out a loan um uh, but I, but I think it comes down to, and you guys will probably agree with me on this. I, I think it comes down to um, setting expectations way before they get to the point of, Dad, I want a sweet sixteen party or any kind of party, whether it's a boy or a girl. We're talking about daughters here, but um, uh, it, with anybody, setting expectations. You know, when they're eight, when they're nine, when they're ten. I mean, I I have every expectation uh, that my daughter, when she gets to that age, and my son, for that matter. When they get to that point, that they're going to, and uh, they're going to want something that is, you know, fairly level-headed, right? Uh, and we're all for parties. We're all for having a good time. And Joe, the, the the party you described sounds exactly like something that we would do for our kids, that we would encourage our kids to do, right? You, you don't need fifty people in a hall and a DJ and fireworks. Get ten of your friends. Uh, you know, we can come over to the house or we can go out to somewhere or we can do something that's sort of focused on the person and not on the stuff. Because I fear that – and you, you, you raised social media there, Joe, and, and, and I agree with you on this one too. We live in this culture that has been so driven by what we see and we think that we have to get the same thing. You know, my analogy is – and I'm a little bit of a rabbit hole warning here. Um, back when my kids um, – uh, there was this YouTube channel, a bunch of YouTube channels, parents exploiting their kids, you know, and, and, and having them, uh, you know, review toys and all this kind of stuff. And there was this series of videos where this one kid went, you know, he got invited to go to Disney World and Legoland and all these places. And there was this video where he like he walked into the room and there was this pile of Legos, you know, the, the exclusive Lego sets on the bed. And then they went to the front of the line at every ride. And then they got the giant stack of pancakes at breakfast. And Mickey Mouse came over and hugged him and had breakfast with him. And I look at my kids and I go, you know, he's getting special treatment, right? You know that, you know that what, this is a giant commercial for Disney World, right? And it's okay, but not everybody gets this. <laughs> and because here, because here's my problem, and here's the end of my story. Here's my problem. That type of thing sets kids up who don't know any better. Sets kids up 
to believe that everybody gets that and that they should get that too. And it's an enormous disappointment when they don't get it. And I think that is probably the worst thing about all of this is that we've created this culture. And Joe, going back to what you're talking about, we've created this culture where everybody's got to have, you know, this blowout every single time. And life just isn't like that. You're, you're, yeah, you echo exactly what I, my sentiments. And um, I mean, it's a whole podcast we could probably just do on this subject. And it is this expectations. I mean, before, you know, mention something good. It's all relative, right? I mean, if you're, if you're a billionaire, uh, you, you could, you could, you know, throw away a hundred grand on a party, not even blink twice. You know, if you're making minimum wage, um, it might just be, you know, pasta and, and, and a couple, uh, you know, cans of soda. Uh, but, it's all about the people and the experience and who you're with. And with social media, and it's proven now, I mean, there's studies upon studies that are out there and, and warnings, et cetera. It's not, it's not hard to find, just Google it. But with social media, when we were growing up, and I, I sound like an old man, that's what my daughter called, Dad, you're so old, you know. Um, but like when you, whatever neighborhood you lived in, you, you sort of were within the bounds of where you grew up. And I grew up in very blue, blue collar, middle class. And that's what you knew. Now, if you grew up in a Beverly Hills and all your friends, dads were CEOs of companies and you grew up on private jets and, and yachts, that's what you knew. But you, you sort of you lived within your means because that's all you knew. And now you see people. I mean, my dad, when are we going to go on vacation? Because, you know, we, we've the last few years of starting new businesses. And I mean, we used to go on, a, a I would say, a, a very nice vacation every year or two without a problem. I said, well, that's, we just can't do it now, right? I mean, enjoy what you have. But we set up this expectation. I've seen people go into debt and have struggling financially because they feel that they have to go to Disney World, you know, three times a year or, or uh, you know, get the kid the $30,000 brand new car. I want my kids to know what disappointment feels like. I want them to know what adversity is and some level of pain because that's really what develops character. And when you when you mow the lawn in front of your child from inception to 24 years old, you are not teaching them the life skills that's needed in the reality of the world. And that's why you have parents going on job interviews. You have kids, you know, in college, you know, in safe zones and petting kittens when their candidate doesn't win election. And you, you're dealing with a because they're just not they don't have those skills in order to deal with this stuff. And, and, and the world is tough. It's hard. You know, you get to a point where it is a it is a loving playing field and you can't rely on mommy and daddy anymore. And that goes back to, you know, removing all the barriers. And we I see it as your kids get older. You'll see it in sports. You'll see it in school. Um, and, and it's something that it, it's not healthy. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I'm dad of the year, but if you're not feeling that level of disappointment, pain, and adversity at some point in your life, I'm not saying you have to have this austere lifestyle, but it's it's healthy. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm learning a lot about parenting today from the two of you. Um, <laughs> but I, I concur with what you're saying. I, I think it's a fascinating topic. The big, the big saying in my house, and it's always been that way since they were little kids, uh, is you get what you get and you don't get upset, right? Uh, whether it's Christmas or Easter or birthday, whatever that is, um, we always try to kind of instill that mentality because to your points, both of you guys, um, you know, it, it's a false expectation. If you're just going to give, 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 give in on all these different things, they're never going to learn, they're never going to understand, and they're going to have a very tough time in adulthood um, without those different things uh, and without having that instilled in them because to your points they're going to be spun around and and they're going to be thinking wow I, how come i don't have that why don't i have this well this is the way the world works um so that's how you have to deal with it and there's another show is anyone on the on this uh podcast listen watch the middle on abc has anyone watched that? Maybe I watch too much TV. I've seen my kids watch it. I'm not, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a big line in there where uh, the mother has a line. She always tells the kids when the kids say, oh, mom, I wish you were home with us. Or, or mom, I wish I could do that. And she says, sorry, kid, wrong family. Right? It just, that's the way it is. We use that expression in our house, right? And, um, and that's another one. Uh, and our kids get it. They laugh, but they get it. So when it comes to these different types of big um, events, 
Uh, and even little things, right? So maybe this all kind of ties together, right? Whether it's you want a new pair of sneakers or whatever that is. But I know today's focus is on the big events and the big expenses. But even the little expenses, these things tie to. Yeah, but, you know, Paul and Jody, it all leads up to this this stuff, right? Because, you know, I, I'll give you another anecdote. You know, when my daughter was two, three, four, or five years old, my first daughter, you know, we go to the Stewart's is a big convenience store up here. And, you know, every time we went in, Dad, can I have a piece of gum? Sure. Can I have an ice cream? Sure. But like dollar, two dollars, not a big deal. This is not, you know, and and then finally I just started saying no. I mean, when I was a kid and we would go into a store with my mom, like a quarter or a dime for a gumball, it was no nine out of ten times. And it wasn't because my, I don't, at the time, my parents had a quarter or a dime, but it just was like, no, you're not, not every day is a party. And today I see the amount of stuff that my kids have and, and they, and how they get celebrated. And, and that's good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I have a lot of aunts and uncles and grandparents, but it is 10 times more than what I had growing up. And, uh, some of it again is good. And then the other thing I see too is, you know, when kids get in sports, it's like, you know, you have to make every game and every practice and, and that's not reality. I watched my dad work two jobs. I mean, he showed up to the games that he could, but I have more respect and appreciation that he was working to provide. And maybe this sounds very archaic, but to me, a man, you know, his his duty, his main thing is to provide for his family. And I, I'm sorry people may disagree with me on that, but that's the pressure that I have um, as, as a sole provider. And, and, and that is very important to me. And I do what I can for my kids and I'm there when I can, but am I going to feel guilty if I miss a game or, you know, can't watch Sophia at a, another practice? Absolutely not. Um, and that goes to the same thing. If I can't have a huge sweet 16 party, right? Yep. All, all ties together and all good stuff. Uh, I think that we'll switch to the next topic, right? Which is around college, right? And this permeates whether you have boys or, or girls, this is a big one. And we've had several, podcasts on this show where we talk about college funding we talk about the obscene cost of college uh we've talked about it all when it came to college right scholarship like everything that's that's related to it but for this in particular it ties in because it's right in the middle of kind of this sweet 16 and the wedding so we'll get to the weddings next but when it comes to college um you know we do the 529 plans we've been saving for a long time we are starting to set expectations around college with our kids, um, you know, because it can't be an unlimited faucet in terms of money. Uh, but we're, I'm thankful and grateful that if my son, who's going to be first on deck to go to college, uh, wants to go, we can afford to send him pretty much wherever he's going to want to go at this point. Um, and my goal for both my kids, forgetting about sweet 16s and weddings, that those are back burner items for me. My predominant goal has always been, can I give my kids the gift of four years of college? That has been my goal. Uh, I went to uh, Fordham with Jody, and I paid for that whole thing myself, all the college loans, all the incidentals. Now, my parents helped me at the beginning, and they were well-intentioned, but they just couldn't afford it. It was for them, and and, and Joe, you know me for, for decades, right? You know my mm -hmm. family situation. They couldn't really afford to send me to college, so I stepped up stepped in and we we all did it together and made sure i got through but it was painful i was working uh full time while going to school full time and jody probably remembers because i was kind of like on campus off campus like where's paul he's working right what do you mean he's working you know and i had all these different things going on so i always thought that when my kids are old enough i would love to be able to give them the gift of four years of college and we're gonna see you know it, things hopefully I'll be able to do that, but the game's not over yet. My son has a couple more years, and let's see how it goes. But that was my plan. Um, so, so uh, Joe, what's your take when it comes to college and college savings? I, I feel the same way you do. Uh, I will ask you a question, though. As you mentioned, it was painful um, working and and going to school, and I'm sure you had your plenty of parties, too. But I bet that instilled something in you that made you successful and built your character i mean there's something to be said for that um right oh absolutely i mean for me it's so funny you say that when i when i was a little kid i worked at rye playland and if people don't know where that is it's an amusement park that, oh, yeah. that's in yeah. westchester county 
And I have my good buddy, Will Powell, who's been a guest on the podcast. And I'm telling you, for little 14, 15, 16-year-old, 17-year-old kids, we worked we worked our butts off at this place, right? Um, overtime. I mean, we were 15 putting in 60-hour weeks during the summer, 70-hour weeks. It was crazy. And years later, uh, when I talked to Will um, or our friend Stefan or our friend Ed, we always reminisce about the values that that place built into us around hard work, that if you want it, you got to put in the time. That There's no shortcuts. And for me, Joe, you're right. I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, it's this guilt that I have that I would not want to see my kids go through that same thing I had to go through, commuting back and forth to the Bronx, going to my full-time job, full-time school load, um, you know, showing up to class, uh, you know, late because there was traffic and then the other kids are looking at me and I'm like, look, I'm not, I can't, I'm not the guy who's going to walk around campus with my, my dorm keys around my neck on a shoelace and in, in my slippers, right? I am working and plugged in. So to your point, I, I don't regret it, Joe. I just wish it were a little bit easier, yeah. uh, but I don't know what your take is on it. No, it, it's, you know, I was fortunate, you know, I went to a SUNY school, it was very inexpensive. My parents got off pretty easy. My sister had a full ride for softball. My brother went to the Marines. I think my entire, I did a five-year plan, was probably $35,000. I, I was saddled with a huge $7,000 loan, you know, after yeah. college, I paid <laughs> yeah. off in two years. And, um, but I, and I didn't have to work in college. I mean, I, I worked in the summers um, hard, but I had it pretty good, and uh, I'm thankful that I uh, that I had that. Um, you know, I think education is is extremely important, and, and I I want all my my three kids to go to college. Um, I my wife and I I wasn't really obsessed with saving for college. I probably started doing it too late. Uh, being an entrepreneur, I always needed money for certain things, and. Uh, I just always believed, as much as I am a worrier and and plan for the future, I just believe, man, when the time comes, um, you know, we'll figure it out. And uh, I certainly do want to pay for my kids' schooling. Uh, You know, when I had a business set back three years ago, four years ago, um, that took a lot out of me uh, resource-wise. So certainly it's like, you know, kind of uh, depleting what you had. And now my daughter is looking, you know, applying to some very good schools, some SUNY, some very high, high expensive private schools. And I, I absolutely, if we can do it and, and, and pave the way so she's not saddled with a, a mortgage at the end of four years, and, and then she wants to be a doctor, so you can imagine the expense for that, I think that's awesome. And I would like to do that. But if, if we can't do that, I, I, guilt isn't an emotion that I have. Um, it's just not. I mean, I, I have a lot of other issues with with uh, worrying about shit all the time but mm-hmm. um, you do the best you can and there's no I, I know people I know two extremes I know people that you know burn I mean they're multi hundreds of million worth hundred million dollars and they did not pay for their kids college they wanted their kid to know what it's like to work and to and to do that and I know people that are you know barely getting by financially and work three jobs and don't do anything because they want to pay for their kids' college. And there's nothing wrong with either of those ends. So I think it's a good goal to have to, to be able to save your kids' college if you can manage it and that's what you want to do. But if that's not the direction that you feel that is something you believe in um, or you're just not financially capable, it, to me, it's, there's no right or wrong in this equation. Yeah, and I think that's all great advice, right? Not to feel the guilt. It, it's so funny because uh, during the podcast, I'll usually I'll, I'll, I'll write these thoughts out that come into my head as we're going down the road of these topics. And you prompted a memory. When I was at graduation, I remember sitting there and I was, like I said, I had a full-time job and a full, full-time school, right? That's what I did. And at graduation, I looked around and there were grown men crying because it was over. And the only thing I thought of was like, whew, I only have one job now. <laughs> I just got one job, right? What am I going to do with all this extra time, right? And I was working. Uh, I had a full-time job. So all I had to do was th- that Saturday I graduated, Sunday I had the day off, and then Monday, boom. I just I didn't have to go to school anymore. I was just 40 hours a week at the job, and I could do whatever. So I was sort of relieved. Um, I think when it comes to the college options, um, it's a it's a very interesting uh, thing because I have a good friend of mine 
who owns a hedge fund and a very down to earth guy. And I don't want to call him out on the on the podcast, but he's a wonderful guy. And when I say, you know, he owns a hedge fund, but, you know, he cuts his own lawn like he fixes his own car. He drives a very old 19 early 90s car. Right. Just very conservative. And we had this discussion about paying for college. And his take was the extreme, and he could probably afford to send his kids to where they want to go. But his whole take was, look, if my kids get into Harvard or Yale, I'll pay for it. He goes, but if they're going to go somewhere else other than top 10 Ivy, he goes, they're going to state school like me, right? So so it's a very interesting uh, take, and everyone has a very different opinion when it comes to paying for college. I know for us... Uh, when the kids were born, we started 529 plans, and we were pretty consistent, Joe, about putting money in each and every year uh, for the kids. And it's been somewhat successful. And we had some years where I couldn't quite put the 5,000 together, right? Just life got in the way, especially in the yep. uh, the 2000s, 2008, 2009. I didn't quite put $5,000 away per kid that year. That was my goal. That was my stretch goal was to try to always put $5,000 away each each year for each kid. And that's because we didn't do big Disney trips every year. We didn't do extravagant vacations. We didn't drive extravagant cars. Like we just didn't do any of this stuff. So our priority was let's save for the kids college. That was what our thing was. We had our jobs. My wife works outside the home. I work outside the home. We both pull the wagon together, so to speak. Right. So that was kind of our take on it. Um, the one thing that came into mind, and Joe, you were talking about it, where you worked when you were coming home from school during college. What is your take in that shared responsibility model? So you get to college and your daughter wants to go to Vanderbilt, right, which I'm understanding is a pretty expensive school. Um, and, and she gets in. And, and how do you handle that in terms of do you have her sharing some of the responsibility and paying for expenses or is your goal to pay for it all? Like, what do you think your game plan will be when it comes to having your daughter's involvement in paying for some of those expenses? That's a really good question. And, you know, I, I want to go back to what you said, your, your, you said about your friend who was a hedge fund about the Ivy League schools and then the state schools. I am literally identical in, in terms of my attitude. I think college is essential for most people. I, I think it's awesome for a lot of reasons. But unless you're getting into those top 10 schools, nine, whatever it is, outside of that, why spend 70 grand to go to a Boston University or Syracuse where you could spend 24,000 and go to a SUNY Albany? Um, I don't believe you're getting any better education. And, and, but when you go to the Ivy League school, it's more about your connections, mm -hmm. you know, about who do you know and and getting that level of of contact, uh, which will carry you through for life. So, um, I, I'm a big believer in state schools. I went to a state school. There's some phenomenal schools there, and it's a, it's it's the difference between getting out of school with you know quarter of a million dollar, I call it a mortgage, versus maybe being able to pay for it. Talking um, about the shared responsibilities. You do what you got to do, you know, and I've had this conversation with my older daughter. And uh, if, if, if I had if I had it, I could pay for a, a really high level private school. Not a problem if we got to take out loans or she's got to take out loans. Um, and she's my daughter's such a planner like I am. Oh, dad, I'm going to be in debt. You know, I'm like, who cares? Right. That's four years, eight years, 12 years, whatever it is, you'll figure it out. Right. You never know what life is going to plan for you down the line. You could win the lottery tomorrow. Um, yeah, it's nice to, to be, you know, I look at myself being 23, 24, I had zero debt, I had uh, a good job. It's awesome. And I know people in their 30s and 40s that are still paying off school loans. It's not the end of the world. Whatever you do, you, you give 100%. You push yourself to be successful. Um, and I will say this, I, I look at, you know, and I always, I've always hesitant to, to be critical because everybody's, you know, have the, you know, raising kids isn't easy and, um, and everyone does it differently. But you, you look at some of the parents and you, you start to ask yourself whether it becomes in sports, whether it comes in education, is it about their kids or is it about themselves? You know, mm. and, I really want to say, sadly, that, and I see this, and I talk about it with other parents, 
you know, I know parents that are pushing their kids to get into a certain school. It makes no sense. And the kid doesn't even want to go there. But their parent went, my, my daughter goes to such and such school. You know, you get to wear the sweatshirt at the parties, right? Mm. It's cool. And I don't, I don't know. I don't live my life that way. If, if my kid ends up saying, hey, I don't want to go to college. I want to go to community school. or do, You know, you've got to accept what they want to do. And, I mean, you push them, obviously, as a parent because you want them, you know, to fulfill their all their expectations. And sometimes kids do need that push. But um, I've seen kids burn out in sports, you know, and, and quit sophomore, junior year because their parents want them to think their kid's going to be the next uh, Derek Jeter. And, and quite honestly, most of them aren't even close to that. So, again, it's it's fulfilling the, the parental expectations, too, in a lot of ways. And, again, it's not, you know, you look at, again, I'm going off a rabbit hole here, but you look at the, you know, people have been having children for, what, 2 million years, a million years, I don't know, modern day era, 10,000 years. It's not until these last couple of generations where we've done a 180 in, in how we treat kids. Kids used to be a second-class citizen, right? Mm. I look at the way I was raised. You eat last. You get up for an adult when they enter the room. You get out of line. You got smacked. Whatever, in the last few generations, it's like all of a sudden now, it's like kids are, are they get first priority. And I know that sounds crazy because you're there to bring up another generation, but we've gone from this model of of showing the kids the level of independence, supporting with safety and love, and there's a lot of bad, awful parents out there, right? People that do horrible things to kids. To now where we're coddling them, you know, from the reveal party in the womb to, you know, giving the kid the Audi, you know, car at, uh, Audi car at 16. And this all goes to what, what really, what are you doing at the end of the day? You're, you're raising a generation of very coddled kids who don't know how to act uh, when it when they get out into the real world and I see this I've five hours I could spend on anecdote after anecdote seeing 23 24 year olds enter the workplace and they have they have a little skill set to be able to deal with people deal with adversity and I think it's something that's going to affect us even more as with social media and as we get uh, you know into the next decades and that's my rant (laughs) no i i agree with you the one thing that i i am fascinated by and i think it touches upon it we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast was you know parents that are getting in the middle of kids job interviews calling hr managers why didn't my kid get the job that that blows my mind (laughs) that that is taking place that those are actual stories that are dare i say common Right, they're it, commonplace now, and I just I can, I'm oh, shocked. I, I've heard those stories in people that are in managerial positions or leadership positions. They might not. They're like, That's crazy. It doesn't happen. Absolutely, it happens. I've heard it from the horse's mouth. I've seen it. It never happened to me. Never had a parent call me, but I've had quote kids come in my office and actually uh, say that you know I talked to my parents. I mean, I. I did my own. When I was 23, I drove to Milwaukee in a beat-up car that barely made it there. I didn't even tell my parents what I was doing. I mean, you know my dad, right? I mean, I got smacked when I was a kid. Like, and my parents were good parents. I thought, I think, right? They weren't perfect by today's standards, absolutely not. But uh, I don't know. You just did what you had to do. My parents still don't know what I do. And uh, I mean, you know, they called me once a week. Remember in college? Well, you went to Fordham, but I yeah. went to Plattsburgh. I mean, you get the one phone call a week. On Sunday night after nine, because it was like whatever half price. Yep. How's the week? Good. How's school? Good. Studying hard. Great. How's Joy? How's it? A five minute call. Okay, gotta go. Bye. Love you. And you saw my Christmas. That was it. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Uh, and, and I, and, I, and, I live. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'll just go back to one other thing. Because now you, this is a subject. My wife, if she hears this, she's gonna be like rolling her eyes. Because <laughs> you look at what our parents—not so much our parents, but our grandparents our great-grandparents, what they had to deal with, you know, the parents before them and before them. I mean, my grandmother got yanked out of school at eighth grade because she had to work, mm. you know. My, my, my great-grandparents came to this country at 18 with nothing. I had six kids. You know, my, my grandparent had the Depression, going to war, you know, the, the old stories of walking uphill, uh, you know, everyone jokes around, walking uphill both ways. Well, you know what? That was true. Yeah. I mean, that was legitimately true. Like people, I know, you know, my, my great uncle got up at five, six in the morning to, to work before school and gave the money to his parents. Um, I, I don't want my kids to do that, but 
that was the norm for most lower to middle class families for generations. Now, it's just it's a 180. I'm not saying we need to go back there, but there's something to be said for that work ethic. Yep. And and I'm thankful and grateful uh, in my life. And I always say that on the podcast that I'm able to do these things for my kids. So I'll just kind of go back to the fundamental of the gift of college, right? Which to me, I would love to do that, you know, sweet 16s and and weddings aside, that's kind of been my priority focus. Um, So for me, it comes down to if I could do that and deliver that for them, which I think we're going to be able to do. Uh, hopefully, uh, it, it'll be very cool. Um, in terms of, you know, uh, if I can't do that, I love what you talked about before about the kind of the post-college plan, right? So, you know, making sure that, you know, when you're talking about college with your daughters uh, or sons for that matter, you know, having that clear plan of attack, right? So, you know, you have X amount of dollars. We're going to go through the four years. What's next? How are you going to handle this next? How do we tackle the loans next? Um, these are the types of things. Giving them the stories of how we handled it. I know you paid your loan off quickly. It took me a little longer to pay off my loan. It was a little bigger, but I have some great stories around paying off my loans. Um, got my wife's loans paid off when she finished uh, law school. Um, so there was a lot of different um, stories that I have that I hope to convey to the to the kids, and I'm hoping that they have a decent, um, you know. Plan. We have a decent plan in place for the kids, especially my daughter, um, to to be able to get her to college, get her through without it being too expensive or without it being um, too much of a burden when she finishes. A- any thoughts on that piece? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm on the same page as you. I, I I would I would I definitely would like to pay for my uh, kids' schooling, and it is a gift. And if I can do that. Um, I, I think that's awesome, you know, and, and I, I'm on the same page with you. But for whatever reason, if it can't happen, it's not the end of the world. Um, I mean, not to be let me ask you a question and, and not to be a, a pessimist, but God forbid what happens in four years, you know, you lose your job or something happens. Now you have to liquidate your any college savings and now you can't give them that gift. Yep. Do you, what do you do? Do you do you just you know don't come out of your bedroom? Do you give up? Do you think you're a failure? You know what? That is a great question, and you're right. Uh, my personality will lean towards um, incredible depression, and then you know then immediate with immediate fight back, right? To try to get out of the situation. That's kind of when I've hit those types of problems in my life. Um, that's how I usually attack it. Usually, I give myself. It's usually less than a day or two to kind of wallow and, and, and lay in bed and woe is me. And then I grab a pen and paper and I start mapping out the the plan of uh, attack to fix it. So whether it's a job situation or a financial situation, that's how I look at it. I don't have any other way in me to do that. I do give myself a very brief moment to feel sorry for myself. But realizing that I that's not going to help, I quickly go back into solutioning mode how do i fix this how do i do this and to your point you're you're right um i think that when it comes to college savings if it were to evaporate um we have to have a plan b and and that's what life is all about is having good plan b's and and with that i think i want to touch upon the wedding topic because as soon as i said the word plan b when me and my wife got married we got married at a small bed and breakfast in connecticut and long story short uh, we looked at other venues. There was one beautiful venue up in Danbury um, that had a beautiful gazebo outside. And the whole thing was you get married by the lake. And my immediate resp- my reaction to the, to, the, to the person, the manager at the place was, well, what's the plan B if it rains? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you go back inside and we just move all the tables over to the side of the room. And then you get married in the middle and then we move all the tables back. And I'm like, that's not a good plan B. <laughs> So the plan, I, know, you know, exactly. so I, I think you always have to have a good plan B uh, to kind of finish that thought. My, We got married at a bed and breakfast, and we were supposed to get married by the waterfall on this beautiful deck. And, of course, the day of, it rained so hard, there were trees down on 95, on Interstate 95, <laughs> with guests trying to get Boy. to the venue. And we got married in front of the... Um, the, in in the parlor room in front of the fireplace, this big beautiful fireplace in this bed and breakfast, 
and the photos were great, and it was a great plan B. So uh, wedding tip, always have a plan B. Don't always think if you're going to get married on the beach that it's not going to rain or have a typhoon that day. Have a good plan B. But we want to talk a little bit about weddings. And, and, and Joe, what's your thought when it comes to weddings and just kind of riffing on paying for it, um, the traditions around uh, the, 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 the daughter's parents paying for it fully as opposed to the sons, you know, the, having a son, you don't have to worry about that. There's all these different things around weddings. And what's your general thoughts on it? Uh, well, first I say, I think I know the place in Danbury, um, right on the lake. That's where my brother got married. And, uh, actually it was a beautiful September day. So that's awesome. it worked out. And, uh, you know, honestly, Paul, I, I have not really thought about it. Um, you know, we were fortunate when my wife and I got married, geez, 20 years ago. Um, you know, parents chipped in, we had some money, you know, we were able to do a, what I, 200 something, 200 person wedding, um, and a nice venue, it all worked out. Nobody, you know, we weren't going to go into debt. I mean, that was my thing. I'm not, I'll get married in, uh, you know, the backyard if it's gonna, you know, if we can't afford it, right. It's not going to uh, be something where we're going to be, uh, paying off a loan for a, for a freaking wedding. Uh, but we were fortunate. Everyone chipped in. It was great. Uh, there was really no, uh, expectations where the, my wife's father had to pay for it. You know, I think in this day and age, um, tradition sort of out the window. Um, if the, what I've seen is, you know, now I have a lot of friends, daughters, you know, getting married and is if the woman's father has the means, um, to throw a big wedding, then usually I've seen them, you know, flip the bill. If it's a situation, which probably more more so than often, um, is where everyone puts in money. I don't believe it's like it was generations ago, where it was behest on the uh, the the bride's uh, family to uh, pay for the wedding. And it doesn't really concern me. One, because you never know um, if your daughter's ever going to get married, right? I mean, just she may make the decision someday she doesn't want to get married. It could happen when she, or she could happen when she's 24 or it could happen when she's 44. Right. So, um, long answer to your question, it's just not something I put any, any real thought into it and figure out when the time comes, you know, we'll figure it out. I mean, I'm certainly not putting a fund away for it out if, if, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, no. And I think that that's interesting because I love what you said. A no debt wedding. If people could remember those three words going into planning, whether you have a boy, a girl, if you're getting married yourself, right, that is probably the key, right? You don't want to go into debt for a wedding, right? I, I think that is fundamental. That's a great piece of advice um, to kind of focus on. Um, and, and for me, me and my wife, when we got married, um, we picked the venue and, and I the place we picked and then we spoke with her parents, her parents were pretty insistent on, on, on picking up the costs of the wedding. And I, we were we were thankful and grateful uh, for that. That was just something they wanted to do. Um, we did do some splitting of expenses. So, you know, when it came to, I believe it was the photographer and some of these other expenses, we picked them up. But they, they picked up the venue. So so thanks, Mom and Dad, for that. And, and I thought it was great, right? Um, it was, they didn't have to do that. And we were, Joe, to your point, we weren't prepared for them to do that. We got married a little later. We got married in our 30s. And not that that would matter, but our take was if we're going to have a wedding, we I was fully prepared to pay for it ourselves. Right. Like I wasn't relying on anybody else's contribution to pay for the wedding. And to your point, we were going to get wed within our means. That was our that was our target plan. And so um, when this all came together, it was actually like that was it was like a little bonus that <laughs> a big bonus that we uh, had it picked up by her parents. But I agree with you. I think that standard tradition is sort of out the window. And I think it's over time, it's getting less and less of an expectation where the bride's parents have to pick up the tab for the wedding. Um, and I think that for me, uh, once again, I don't have a wedding budget or plan either at that point. My focus has been on college, right? So forgetting about Sweet 16, forgetting about weddings, my focus is on college, getting through those four years for her. Um, so And then she could do what she wants, right? And college gives her options. And so if she, you know, whatever she wants to do, she'll be able to kind of have a good jumping off point from that uh, part of her life. So I haven't, 
planned or put any money aside for weddings either. Um, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on destination weddings. Um, I was Googling before the podcast doing some research. Um, Disney has a whole set of options where you could get married at Disney World. You can get married at the castle. You don't want to know how much that costs, Joe, but you could get married at the castle, right? Uh, sky's the limit. Uh, Bahamas, Aruba, uh, Las Vegas, right? There's uh, all kinds of venues to get married in. Uh, what is your take when it comes to destination weddings and some of these, maybe not a destination wedding, but something like uh, the, you know, the New York Botanical Gardens or the Museum of Natural History, some very very big, expensive, I'm going to use the words, over-the-top venue. Uh, what are your thoughts when it comes to that in general? You know, as far as destination weddings, I, and I really don't have a strong opinion on anything, or not that it matters if I did. And, you know, going back to the whole wedding experience is, um, again, let's face it, 50% of marriages, what is it, even more so fail, right? So mm. um, it really goes to what people want. Right. I mean, it's life. Um, I mean, it's easy for someone to say, I can't believe they spent 80 grand on a wedding or I can't believe they just got married at the chapel and, and went out to dinner. It's what you want. I mean, it ain't even going into debt. I would I would say that I would to me, that was something that would, would seem crazy to do. But like, let's say a, a, a couple their dream was always to have a big wedding and they took out a $50,000 loan, but that's what they wanted to do. And it was important. I mean, think about it. A wedding, as crazy as it is with all these people, it's probably the only time in your life you're going to experience something like that with really all your extended family and friends and a band and you're, you're, you're under, you know, you're catered to for the whole day. So I understand it is important to people. It's not the route that I would go, but if someone did take a loan, then that's their life, right? Who, who are we? Who am I to judge? As far as destination weddings go to answer your question, um, I've been to a couple. They're fun. Um, again, it, it depends on what the, the bride and groom want. I mean, frankly, it is a hassle for some people. Um, and, uh, you know, the couple, I think I went to two destination weddings. They were really good friends, so I was obligated to go. Um, I haven't uh, one. I th I might have been invited to another two that I couldn't make it, um, and and frankly, it does become a little bit burdensome, you know, especially if you're in a, uh, you know, things are tight financially. But it's it's what people want to do, you know, and if that's what you want to do, it's your right to do it. And uh, I would just say that uh, it's nice if you have the means to do it, but it's it's about what makes you happy at the end of the day, right? Yeah, I, I think for me, I did have a regret that I had a good friend of mine uh, that got married overseas, uh, over in Europe, and we didn't go. And and that's probably regret on my side. You know, it was part money. I think I think it was mostly money based and and timing. And and to your point, you know, I didn't have a passport. I wasn't traveling internationally at that point in my career, so I didn't ever have never had a need for a passport or anything. Uh, but I do regret not going. And I hear you in terms of the. Uh, taking the loan out and if that was your absolute dream to get married at the at the magic kingdom in front of the castle whatever that is right um it is it is great my my only fear is that the couple has this massive wedding they can't afford it they've spent 50 60,000 that's all on a loan on a credit card and it leads over the next 18 months to divorce because they have all these financial woes, right? Like, I think that's I, my, and maybe that's just me, Joe, being level-headed. Like, I I can't imagine spending that much money for that one day. But to your point, there are plenty of people that if they were Disney fanatics and they met at Disney and that's their thing, and it, I get it. I totally get it. I just, I always like to weigh out the, the, the risks and the options and the possibilities. And for me, maybe I'm being too pessimistic, but to kind of go into that level of debt just scares me, especially in a new marriage. So that, that's my me. only. Yeah. I'm not, I think logically like you do with that. And, um, it just certainly, it adds a, a, an element of pressure, but, um, I don't know. I mean, to everybody looks at, I mean, I've made some very foolish, uh, financial decisions in business and, uh, yeah. And it's my wife yelling in the background. That's, that, we this, call that authenticity. Yeah. In the podcast, the <laughs> you'll hear garage doors opening and, uh, on so my side. That is, uh, who's to say? But, uh, you know, we, we do live in a debt-ridden society and, and people think for the moment. Um, what I think, what I suggest is my advice to people 
is you have like a destination wedding in a uh, real like far place, like someplace in Greece, like maybe like the day after Christmas and you invite 400 people and you know no one's going to go and half of those people are going to feel like they have to, you know, everyone should give you the gift, right? I mean, that's, by the way, that's the etiquette for folks. If you get invited to a wedding, you got to freaking send a gift, even if you don't go. Right. People don't get that. So then you invite 400 people, like, you know, your best man, your whatever bridesmaid, maybe your mom goes, dad, and that's it. And then you get all those gifts and you don't have to pay for the plates and you make out. You know, people got to start using, you know, you got to do a little creativity here. And people would be like, I can't believe I got it. Yeah. But you're always going to get that outlier, that like third cousin is like, great, I'm going to Greece. And you're like, oh, damn, I got to spend my weekend with this guy, right? Your English teacher from, from high school. Um, it's always a couple outliers that you don't think because they, they just need to get away. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's whatever may, life is about balance. It's about what makes you happy and, and your goals. Uh, I'll give an example. There's a family, my, my daughter's friends with, and they go on legitimately three or four vacations a year. I'm talking about like European vacations, you know, South America. I mean, big vacations. They live in a very small house, um, you know, drive a beat up car, but, but they're, they're, big thing is they like to travel. I mean, me, I like having a nicer house and more stability. Um, that's just the way we are. You know, I'm not saying, I don't think they're wrong doing that. They probably think I'm crazy. These guys never go anywhere, but that's what they like to do. And they believe in showing their kids the experience of traveling the world. Um, you know, arguably if, if it's creating a, a rift in other portions of your life, then you have to step back and, and look at it. You know, it's the, you know, there's people that live for the moment and then they're constantly screwing themselves over in the future. And then there's people that scroll away every penny they have and they don't enjoy their lives because they're saving for this like day 20 years from now. I mean, I used to have I, you know, I, I'll give you one thing. And I know we're, we're short on time and we're getting away from the, the topics here. Are you still with me, Paul? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, this is fascinating. And, 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 and I love know, when I the. You know, when I was in my 30s, you know, I used to have this vision of I'm going to retire at 55. Like I put this at a school. It was written down and and, and that was great. Got to retire at 55. Right. And, you know, when I was 35, that's a long time, 30 years old. So now, you know, I'm going to be 48. I mean, 55 is right around the corner. And, and that's not realistic for me now. So then I thought to myself, why? Why do I have this this goal? I mean, if I'm doing what I like to do, I'll work till I'm 85. Right. I don't need to. I mean, it's nice not not to say I don't want to have to worry about money when I'm 70 years old and, you know, working for some 24 year old kid and yelling at me because I, uh, you know, I, I took a Friday off, you know, in August. But, uh, you know, wh why put limitations? I mean, if that's a goal you have, that's great. But for me, I started removing that stuff and, and I have other goals. It's about being happy and being content to what you're doing. And we, we have this rat race now where we're, you know, the expectation of. You know, I, I have to provide for three kids for college and I have to go on three vacations a year and I have to have two cars and four TVs and, and I have to have the lake house and, and all these other things. And, you know, we don't know when our ticket is up, right? I mean, I hope I'm here for my grandkids, but, you know, we all know people in our lives who got taken away too early, right? So it's the balance between planning for your future, but at a pace where it's not this obsession and all you're going to have at the end of the day is a lot more angst and worry. And, and uh, you know, I got great insurance for my family, but yeah, I'm probably, maybe I could have more insurance. I don't know. Right. Then I know some people have no insurance, which is dumb in my opinion. There's people who are insured. Um, so it's all about balance at the end of the day and what your expectations are. Um, you know, to, to kind of put this all together, you know, we live in a society now going back to the culture where are we really pursuing our own beliefs and individual goals? Or are we doing what the Joneses want us to do because we see it on Facebook, you know, a fake book? And I'm on it all the time, as you know. So I'm just as guilty, but I try not to win bag and tell everybody about everything I'm doing every day because how great my life is. This life is hard. Very cool. Yeah, I was going to say, there's so many things that you said in that conversation and some of the, and I, maybe we'll kind of wrap up the podcast. And my recap for today, 
that I took away, and this and thanks for doing this with us, Joe. This was awesome. Um, set the expectations early and often with the kids, right? Yeah. I think that's key. Um, I love the three words, no debt wedding. I'm going to stick with that one. I know yeah. we had a little bit of debate going back and forth. If you want to get married and you want to spend all this money and take the loan, that's great. For me, I'm going to stick with the mantra of a no debt wedding. That should be your – that should be – that's my goal. That would be my goal. I'm hoping that's my kids' goals. Uh, prioritization and balance, right? And I think you said it well with those pieces. Anything that you want to kind of put a point on today, Joe, and, and as part of a recap? And also, you know, plug your uh, your uh, Facebook, your, your Grind My Gears, and talk about that a little bit with us. Oh, well, yeah. It's just something. It's a little hobby. I like writing and doing videos about what grinds my gears, things that I that bother me in society and other people. And hopefully it's offensive because I think people get too offended today. Uh, you know, I, I would just give some uh, general, I guess, advice in, uh, you know, they, they uh, what's the world's old saying about advice, right? It's advice or everyone has advice, like whatever. Uh, you can edit that part out. Um I, you know, my, I always look at this in my dad, one of my dads, and I'll share this podcast with him. One of his great quotes, uh, he has three great quotes. I actually remember my law, you know, you can't teach hustle. Mm. And one of you, he always said, you will never get cheated out of pleasure in life. And what that means is you have to sacrifice hard work and sacrifice will give you most of the time. It's not a guarantee. Unfortunately, um, you, you, Hard work and sacrifice will get you usually what you want and, and, and meet your goals in life. And it's hard unless if you just have a trust fund or you win the lottery or you just get really lucky very early on in business. It's very hard to achieve your dreams and what you want without putting some level of sacrifice on it. And that to me, that's one of the biggest things you can teach kids is to sacrifice now for what you may want in the future. And that means, you know, maybe not buy the two ice cream cones and put five bucks away so you could have, you know, the shoes you want in three months. Um, and hard work. I mean, I, I say this to people coming in, you know, to companies young, and I've been asked advice all the time. There is no substitute for hard work. Hmm. I am not the smartest person in the world, um, but I will say this, that if you're there at 7 a.m., I'll be there at 6 a.m., you know, if you're there at five, I'll be there. I will work. I will outwork. I mean, this sounds arrogant, but I will. Ju I'm just driven. I will work and work and work and do whatever it takes to be successful, uh, personally, family-wise, business-wise. And you're 75. I've seen people with three degrees who get just run amok by the guy who barely can put a sentence together, but he's just he or she is just driven. And they're there at, they want to learn, they want to do well, and they just work their asses off. And, uh, you know, work ethic is almost this thing. Um, it, it used to be standard, and now it's something where it's it's amazing when I see someone with a work ethic now, it's sad to say. But, uh, I again, I appreciate you having me here. I could talk for hours on this stuff. Um, my wife and family are certainly sick of hearing me, so I'm... <laughs> <laughs> you to appreciate this and I look forward to seeing the, the, the finished product. I think what you guys are doing here is excellent. And, um, that's just, uh, you know, I'm honored to be part of this. Thank you, Joe. That was a great recap. I, I can't add another word to it other than kind of closing it out, um, with our standard closure here. Uh, well, Jody and Joe, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today and I'm personally looking forward to our next one. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.